Yeah. <laughs> Come on, man. Why is he doing that? You don't know that song? <laughs> I see that shit on TikTok, nigga, all the time. <laughs> This is hey, the only song that he knows. Hey, oh, We're good, right? <laughs> bro, you know when you yeah. go to Somalia, bro, your whole huh? TikTok changes. Every every person oh, knows Somalia. Song. <laughs> hey, you see the funny shit? All cameras recording? <laughs> Niggas all oh 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 to a little digging, bro. They be making TikToks for live, live, bro. For live, bro. Oh no! <laughs> so, name wise, what do you want to go by? Drahman. Drahman is good. Yeah, so yeah. Oh no! Yeah. Our table. The mic, everything is good. Yeah, we're good. <laughs> you want to do it? Huh? Come close. I'll bring it down. I got you. You're gonna do it. I'll try to stop laughing. <laughs> probably will I hear. After I'm probably this is for where I'm probably gonna end. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> this nigga was so serious. Hey, I was huh? laughing. This nigga was it's so recording? serious. Table. Our table. <laughs> Look how serious that drama is. It's broken. Hey, y'all, welcome back to the Sincerely Honest Podcast. It is your host, Hamza the Truth. We have here. What was going on, guys? I was, just, I, was just, I was distracted making TikToks. You feel me? It's your boy, Mohammed Salah, man. You know what's going on? You want to introduce the guest today? We got, we got a hood legend. With us today, mashallah, we got a we got a guy that's highly appraised. You know, has done a lot for the community, mashallah. I'm not gonna say too much just yet. You feel me? Because we want to get into it during the podcast. But we got Abdurrahman Warsum with us here today, mashallah. Mashallah. Welcome, welcome. Go ahead, carry us today. We need you to Ooh. be LeBron today. LeBron James in the backpack. Yeah. How you feeling though? You feel good? Yeah, I feel good. I, I get this little jitter, you feel me, when I'm on like in front of a camera and yeah, shit like that. But it's like it's just something I just y'all my niggas, you feel me? Yeah. So I'm gonna be cool. You yeah. Know? After a while, like I think yeah. once we get into it, like 10 minutes in, 15 minutes in, I yeah, think yeah, you yeah. just be in the group. It's just regular conversation. Yeah. We have That's all it is. It's yeah. not even an interview. Yeah. It's a conversation. Exactly. Facts. Conversation. This Facts. just happens to be lights, cameras, mics, yeah. a lot of a lot of other stuff. Facts. Niggas see, eating in the back. Right. <laughs> I see, I see you wearing a hoodie. Tell us about that hoodie, man. Yeah, humanize the hood. Um, a homie of mine's Ahmed from uh, Toronto. They Shout got this. Ahmed, uh, he got a sister, and they be running an organization in Toronto called uh, Humanize the Hood. Mm. So Toronto, y'all know, you know what I mean. It get crazy over there, you know mm. what I mean. And so, and there's a lot of gentrification, just like anywhere else. Yeah, you, yeah. you know what I mean. And so this whole movement, I feel like, was created, you know, at least from what bro told me. You know, it's like just to kind of it's in the word, you know, humanize the hood yep. for people to appreciate the hood. And understand that it's more than you know gun violence and yeah. drugs and you know gangs and all of that. You feel me? Yeah. To help people understand that they're they're human. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, and that is deeper than than the surface level things that you see for sure. Um, and, and what the you hear, commercialized things that you see, especially like with the media and the news and all that crazy stuff. They yeah. make they make the hood look like it's something that it's really not. For you know sure. Yeah. yeah. My question is for both of you guys: when you when you hear the word hood. What's the first thing that comes to mind? Community. Mm-hmm. Same. Same. I, I just see it as like a shortened version of neighborhood. That's how I knew. I didn't really understood it as like, as like, oh, this is the hood. Like, this is the ghetto or whatever it may be. You feel me? I saw it as like, this is the neighborhood. Like, if I, inshallah, someday move to like a diner, like, 
I'm still gonna call it the hood, like where I stay at. Like this is the hood, like this is where yeah, I stay. At. Exactly. You feel me? That's how I see yeah. it. It's not really the reason. The reason why I ask is because if you if you go to like Southwest or like one of these little suburbs, <laughs> yeah, and you ask any Adam person, you're like, hey, what is a hood? Mm-hmm. Or define the first thing that comes to your head when when you think of a hood mm-hmm. has negative connotations. Exactly. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. If but that's because the outsiders looking in. You feel me? Yeah. Why y'all but think that is though? That's what I'm, that's what I was gonna why, ask. Why y'all think why that is? It like why that? is it, why is that like why is there a negative connection? Racism, inequality, mm-hmm. a whole lot of things. I think it's just the fact that when you're from the outside looking in, you don't know how it feels. Yeah. And so where you get that, and and when you don't get the knowledge and the the you know the truth from inside mm-hmm. and you're getting it from outside it's always going to be incorrect yeah. and not valid yeah. you get what i'm saying yeah. but once people start amplifying people's voices from you know places of you know pain and struggle you know what i mean and inequality then people will know what it is except for you know like outside of what people say you know what i mean yeah cuz like yeah. whatever whatever people are saying and whatever people are trying to portray isn't the reality i think that's exactly. what you're trying to get across yeah, yep. that's Bad, yeah, you also don't know what's on the other side too, right? Yeah, like let's say your whole life they told you, "Yo, this is Simba. You can't go there. It's the dark place." Yeah. yeah. As a kid, your whole life you're like, "Oh, that's what that's what that is." Yeah. But when you're when you grow up somewhere, regardless of how bad it is, to you that's where home is. Mm-hmm. You don't know that you're struggling when you're little. When you're on EBT, we used to like our mom be like, "Yo, go 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 get stuff." Until so called, here's a, we we thought it was a lick. Yeah, we're like, yo, we came up. What are you <laughs> yeah, talking yeah, about? Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. damn, the EVT money came and we straight yeah, this yeah, month. Yeah, you know? chilling, yeah. And then you see kids at school, they be like, oh, you on free and reduced lunch? Damn, you chilling? Y'all struggling? Not like if nah, the white kids are like, damn, yeah, you struggling? Like, 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 yeah, yeah. yeah damn, exactly, like my yeah. mom made lunch for me earlier. Like, I'm like, they be like, nigga, you poor yeah. type shit. <laughs> you know? And that's when you had that realization, like, like damn. So when was the first realization where you realized that you weren't well off or that other kids were doing better than you? At what age? I think it was um, like, so I had a realization at home when I was younger, mm-hmm. but outside, like in school, I think I was in sixth or seventh grade. Mm-hmm. Uh, some girls asked me, yo, are you wearing the same uniform from yesterday? And I'm like, y'all niggas get more than one. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> and I was like, man, because I ain't, I went to school. And it was uniforms too. The yeah. reason people wear uniforms is so that other kids can't tell that yeah. you're struggling. Yeah, I think I was like sixth grade. Yeah, that's wow. <laughs> tough. What about you? And I was just like, man, <laughs> me is I think it's getting more than one uniform. Yeah. You're like, damn, nigga, what the fuck? <laughs> I thought we all have one. this. Nigga said this shit comes in different colors. <laughs> I only got the blue one, nigga. <laughs> yeah, this nigga said y'all got the away jerseys too. Shit. Only got the homeless. <laughs> yeah, bro. No, that's, that yeah. I, you know what's crazy what you though. Realize? It was, you know what's crazy though. Clothes and like fashion and and your apparel is is a very integral part of like your socioeconomic class and your upbringing. And a lot, a lot, mm. a lot of people. Like I was watching the Atlanta episode um, where two kids get the same Fubu. I don't know if y'all watch Atlanta where they get the same Fubu jersey, right? And one of them is fake. And then, like, it just becomes a whole thing where the whole school, like, is just talking about, oh, this FUBU's jersey, this one, oh, this jersey's fake. Oh, no, this one's fake. No, this one's fake. Oh, no, that one's fake because it's made in Bangladesh. Nah, this shit's fake because it's made in, mm-hmm. you feel what I'm saying? In yeah. China, whatever. And at the end of the episode, one of the kids, like, so one of the kids, the main character, Childish Gambino, and he, they make it seem like, oh, yeah, his is, he's valid. Like, mm-hmm. his shit isn't fake. The other kids, they say, yeah, this kid's 
thing is fake. His jersey's fake. And he ends up killing himself at the end because he gets harassed and bullied so much. Damn. You feel me? But like, it really is like a very deep, like integral thing. Like for me, that's what it was for me. Like I love clothes and I love fashion and like dressing well. But like I was in a clear style 24-7. Yeah. And I remember like I got a jersey and it was the same kind of vibe. Like I got a jersey. I went to school. It was a Vikings jersey. I remember it. And I was like, yeah, nigga, I got a Vikings jersey. Nigga, I'm yeah, lit. Yeah. And somebody asked me, where'd you get it? And I was mm. like, I got it from Savers. Like, you shop at Savers? I'm like, yeah, nigga, what mm. the fuck you mean you shop at Savers? Savers yeah. lit, nigga. They got toys. Yeah, I'm trying to explain yeah. to them. They got toys. They got clothes. They got yeah. everything. You feel me? But They just didn't get it. They were like, nah, nigga, you poor, nigga. That's why you shop at Savers. <laughs> you feel me? So that shit, that shit really hit. Then when it hits you, you're like, damn, nigga, I'm poor. What the fuck? Like, for real? Yeah, it's me? crazy. But it really doesn't matter though. When you're a kid, I don't know. For me personally, it really didn't. I didn't. Because really he was give, having fun. Yeah, I didn't really give a shit. You know I mean, every day yeah. he's popping out. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Go to the park or mm-hmm. hanging out with friends. Yeah. I think that's some. You know, it's funny because uh, Dave Chappelle talked about this. You know, mm-hmm. he, when I came in, I was watching Dave Chappelle. Yeah. Dave Chappelle, he uh, he spoke about it on um, uh, it was one of his bits, and he was like, you know, he, he used to envy niggas like Nas. And like, you know, he'd hang out with other rappers and they talking about the hood and stuff like that. And he said his family made it well enough yep. to, to struggle in a white area. You feel yeah. me? And he was like, he said, when these niggas were talking about the hood, it's, it sounded like something fun because everybody was for you. Feel me? <laughs> and it might sound fucked up, but in a way, you know, like you 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 can relate to other people. You know mm. what I mean? And, and you can relate to the struggle. Everybody's uplifting each other. And I mean... That's how Cedar is, you know what I oh, mean? Oh, yeah, for sure, for yeah. sure. It's a sense of love and a sense of community. And like, you pop out, bro, and you just like, there's people everywhere. Like, you'll have something to do. That's why it's, it's, Regardless it's really nice. Of what. So, talk to us a little bit about your like your upbringing and kind of your background. Cause I know that a lot of people know Abdurrahman, you know, now, yeah. growing Abdurrahman, you feel me? But yeah. how was it like growing up the way that you grew up um, and, and like your upbringing and how you was raised and all that? So, um, as a kid, uh, I moved around a lot. Yeah. So were you were you born here? Yeah, I was in, born in, here. Yep. Okay. yep, yep, yep. I was born here. My mom moved here in '95. Went to '95. So she was shy of being here like a year when um when I when when I was born, and so uh, when she moved here, uh, we lived we lived I think like all around the place. So one thing about me growing up, I moved around a lot. Went to a few different schools. Uh, but I was born in Cedar. I lived in there for a few years, and then my mom moved. We lived in Minneapolis. We lived like Pillsbury. We lived uh, 24 area. We lived all around, and we always used to move. But my mom in 2002 or 2001, she got a job at the front desk at Brian Coyle. And so ever since I was a kid, every day, like- Coyle. Was, yeah, Coyle. Yeah, you feel me? Yeah. Uh, I remember on the weekends, my mom, like nobody would be there. She'd have the keys. She let us into the computer room, yeah. playing mini clip. Uh, you know what I mean? Cartoon Network games. Yeah, the little laugh. Because mama had the keys, you feel mm-hmm, me? Yeah. So that, that used to be nice. After school programs. Every program, I was part of it. And so that went on until, I think, until I was in high school or a little bit before high school. So before you yeah. got into high school yeah. and you're a kid to living your dreams, Yeah. what was a dream that you had? What was something that at, eight, let's say, 10, that you really wanted to accomplish when you got older? Or something like a superpower, a superman. It could be a cop, whatever. Yeah, yeah. What was I, it? I wanted to be a Power Ranger. That was my thing. <laughs> <laughs> I like really? Static Shock when I was a Oh, yeah, y'all yeah. completely forgot about Static yeah, Shock. <laughs> yeah, I like Static Shock. Uh, but 
honestly, if I look back at my, I think, I think like, I just wanted to do something. I didn't really have like, I just wanted to be successful. Yeah, it wasn't really a specific thing. Yeah, you just wanted I just to- wanted to make it out. You feel me? I wanted to make some money growing up. You know what I mean? Yeah. I didn't really know what, or you know what I mean, what I wanted to do. I just knew I was good at math. Like growing up, I was good at math. And so my teacher would always be like, oh, you're going to be a mathematician or you're going to do something that's math, this and that. But it wasn't really that I liked it. Just You were just good at it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Uh, so, um, I mean, I don't know really. If I think think about it right now, like just looking back at my you know childhood, I really don't know what I was going yeah, to be. That's, what, that's an amazing of, childhood. That's, no, that's honest too. And yeah. that's the best thing. Somebody told me that and it kind of blew my mind. Yeah. He was like, the best thing is not knowing what you want to be because you can be whatever you want. Like yeah. You could be anything. For sure. If you know you want to be a doctor, then you're going to be a doctor. Yeah. Until you choose otherwise, right? That but if you're true. like, I have no clue what I want to be, but I have the drive and the dedication to be something, right? Mm-hmm. Then you can you can be a jack of all trades. You can like, you know what I'm saying, get into a lot of different stuff. So then you said um, it was it was basically kind of static, <laughs> static yeah. shot uh, until about high school, right? And then yeah. and then what happened then? Oh, there was kind of a shift in my life in high school. There was a lot of stuff I was going through, you know what I mean, with my family and just life. Uh, even though like growing up uh, as a kid, I was poor. Just like you said, bro. Like that shit didn't really phase me. Yeah, and it you really didn't like, feel it. What's another another thing? Well, I can yeah. I back and just mention this. Yeah, I think so. My parents and our parents did a really, really, really good job of just like sheltering us, hiding from that, it too, right? Hiding and making that, sure yeah. that we didn't really feel that the impact of of. Because like, bro, I I would look at like when I did my FAFSA when I went mm. to college, I was like, let me see your taxes from twenty sixteen. I'm like, bro, you making thirty k? Yeah, you making twenty five, twenty four k? You got seven yeah. kids. Yeah. Either you lying to the government or we poor, nigga. <laughs> like, we yeah. broke. But they did a great job of, like, making sure, like, food was there. Like, everything was there. Clothes. Like, mm-hmm. so, yeah, I feel that for sure, bro. Yeah. For sure. You know what I mean? So, um, yeah, I didn't really feel it. And mm-hmm. uh, some, uh, uh, you know, life happens, bro. You know, I'd rather not talk about it, but there was a lot of things that happened in my life that were in motion. Oh, yeah. At the time I was, like, in eighth eighth grade. Yeah, eighth grade. Um that kind of shifted my life at that time period. And during this time period, you know, like, bro, so during my lifetime, like uh, when I was a kid, my childhood, I never went to Duxie, you know what I mean? And so when I was a kid, like, I remember my mom would try to take me to Duxie and she would end up taking me for like a week or two. And then they would ask her for the money and we would just not go to Duxie. And it wasn't until I was in eighth grade. I remember one time I was in sixth grade. I went to Duxie one week, one weekend, bro. And you know Mal Mursa, right? Yeah, oh my God. Mal Mursa. What my ass, bro. On your first week? My first week, bro. I swear to God, nigga. I remember the surah he wanted me to cut uh, something to. Wait, little clue, homies to Lumaza, nigga. What my ass, bro. I remember running out of there, bro. I ran to the Brian Coyle barefoot. Wallahi, bro. No shoes. Crying. Crying to my older siblings. Yo, get me out of here. Get me out of here. Well, the way Duxies hey. used to beat kids back in the day was sick. Yeah. I have a cousin who broke his, he had his pinky like broken. Oh, yeah, yeah. And they didn't want to go to the hospital because obviously it's child abuse. <laughs> so they told little bro to put ice on it. <laughs> and his shit still fucked. He 28 now. Oh, Damn. Oh my God, bro. Yeah, Duxie. Hey, that's crazy. Yeah. Duxie, we got we to gotta dedicate a whole episode. <laughs> episode yeah, Duxie Reform. Duxie Reform. Yeah. We got to like, we got to have like a panel and testimonials. No, that's. And, oh, yeah. We got to do that thing where we put manas on one side, kids on the other <laughs> side. That's going to be weird. You're like little seven-year-olds. He hit me. <laughs> <laughs> that would be crazy. Nah, I'm a... 
but you know, anyways, you know, like that was my first ex- experience with Dixie, you know, yeah. as a kid. I think I was in sixth grade. I was going through, uh, you know, Mama Howard, Howard Daycare. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was going through that, like fifth grade, sixth grade, bro. You know what I mean? I don't know why my mom put me in daycare. Yeah, I was. Day. I used to go to daycare yeah, too. Yeah, you feel me? Like for fifth grade, sixth grade, I was over there, and then I remember, um, boom, uh, I ended up, I ended up going there for that weekend, and then Mama Howard was like, "Yo, you don't gotta go there no more. I stayed over there." My next time encounter with Dixie, I was in eighth grade. I was fourteen years old. I was thirteen, turning fourteen, and um, that time period uh, was a completely different experience and approach to religion. You know, because I never knew anything about religion growing up. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? My mom would just tell me to pray. I would act like I would pray and I'd go to sleep. Like yeah. I would never, you know what I mean? Because yeah. I didn't know anything about it. Yeah. And I could, I used to always have all these questions and my mom wouldn't know the answers. So like, I remember like during this time period, like was a very big shift in my life. There's a lot of things going on in yeah. my life. And, you know, I was like 13, 14. And I just became really attracted to the religion. I started, you know, focusing on my religion really, really much. Like, and that was kind of like throughout mo- like half of my high school. Yeah. You know what I mean? For so like for a good part of my high school, I didn't really get the regular, you know, average teenage experience. You feel me? Like I wasn't out here and doing none of that stuff. You know what I mean? And uh, experiencing stuff or none of that because like I don't know. I, I felt I was I was really attracted to the religion. You know what I mean? Do you feel like that was mostly individual or was it basically community? Community. Because back in the day. And yeah. everybody was wearing khamis. Yeah. You and that's me? when Fajr was just a norm too. Yeah. Like you'd see high schoolers go to Fajr. Yeah. Yeah. And then go straight to schools. You don't see that no more. So. Yeah, for sure. You know what I mean? So during that time period, I think that was that was a big thing, you know? Uh, yeah. Like, you know, whole bunch of homies, you know what I mean? Just go pop out. It was the movement. The masjid. Yeah, you know, all of that, you know? Yeah. And it was a good mo- movement, you know what I mean? But um, anyways, life went on and... Uh, some more things happened in my life mm-hmm. and that kind of led to my high school getting a little wild, you know, my high school lifestyle, whatever, you know. Um, my senior year, um, that's kind of like when things kind of went even more into motion for me. Uh, mom just started getting really worried about me because she knew more about what was going on in my life. And she used to like put a lot of pressure on me, you feel me? My mom thought I was doing shit before I was doing shit. You yeah, feel me? Yeah. But it's because parents have farasa, you know, like farasa is like insight. Yeah. You mm-hmm. know, they, they can see stuff before it even happens. Yeah. And sometimes they can see like where you're, where you're headed, like yeah. the, the path that you're going to go on. Yeah. yeah. Because in life, you know, history repeats. Mm-hmm. So they probably seen some folks like that in the past and they seen how their life went. You know what I mean? So when, when parents see that type of stuff, it's like they're trying to look out. But they don't know how to communicate oh, yeah. how they feel. Yeah. It's that culture gap, that barrier and stuff like that. And I'm just like, yeah. yo, Hoya, it's my senior year. I'm just trying to have fun. Yeah. You know? But when I, in all actuality, I'm just probably trying to get social or, you know, just get a, run away from my problems. You know what I mean? For the past three years, is the religious phase, right? Yeah. And so just not kicking with nobody. I, right here, I'm turning up. You feel me? Just, <laughs> just kicking it. Let, let it loose. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You feel me? So as time went on... um, you know, things got more and more uh, hectic, you know what I mean? My first week out of high school, my summer, summer June 2016, was like, it was like right when Ramadan started, I got kicked out of my mom's house. Mom kicked me out. She said, kick to the curb, you feel me? Yeah. Uh, she kicked me out. It's my first time trapping. 
and shit was different. Yeah. You know what I mean? Uh, I felt free. You know, I felt strong. You know, I'm a kid. I'm thinking I'm a man. I'm gonna do it. I can do this shit, nigga. I'm yeah, good. I'm good. I'm good. I don't need like, nobody. Yeah. Feel me? Thugged it out. Was gone for like two months, month and a half. And you know, just life it hits you, bro, fast, bro. My first time getting shot at, bro. That that month and a half, bro. You know what I mean? That shit was crazy. I remember. <laughs> yeah, that was a funny. That was a funny night, bro. You know, like it was also crazy, you know. But like. I remember, like, just life really the fact, no, just the, the fact that you even laughed yeah. and the fact that you said it was a crazy night. Bro, because you don't and under, it, Yeah. Just that in itself is crazy. Yeah, because, bro, like, if I tell you, like, I was one of the homies, and this is, like, my first, like, my thir- sec- second or third week smoking, and I remember, like, I was high, he was drunk, <laughs> you feel me? Some dudes rolled up on us, and it was his homies, but he thought we was some ops or something, you feel me? And he just aired everybody out. They like everybody was running, bro. And I just started running. I'm like, yo, what the hell is going on? I'm just high. Like when your first couple of weeks smoking, bro, and it's like your first time, it's a very euphoric feeling. Like you don't even know. You're so oblivious to everything, bro. I'm just laughing and shit. <laughs> then I just see one of the some dude just hold knives on niggas asking him, where you from? You feel me? I'm just looking like, yo, what this nigga's like, oh, I got a knife. <laughs> yeah. Then I just hear, hey, blah, blah. I just niggas start running, you know? Yeah. And I just start crying, bro. And the homie's just giving me like this crazy lecture, like it's a movie. Like, yo, hold it together. Oh, this He's drunk, you feel me? So I'm like, yo. And I'm just laughing. And my homie's just telling me all of this stuff later on. We all get sober. He's like, bro, oh, you know? And I remember like, that was just, it was a funny night, but it was also crazy, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Also changed my perspective on a lot of things and how to move. But it didn't stop me. Life just kept digressing, you know what I mean? It only took, I remember like my first, my first month into smoking. It was not even my first month, it was like my second week into smoking. I was with, uh, so my first time smoking, I didn't smoke with like a really close friend of mine. I smoked with somebody that was, uh, we were just friends and acquaintances because my ex and his girl were friends, you know what I mean? And so we always see each other. Yeah. And I was the type to always clown my homies for smoking. I would tell them, yeah, man, I ain't, I ain't, I ain't with any of that shit. You feel me? All my homies are like, yo, you know, uh, all this stuff, you know? So I just, I didn't, I didn't, uh, they, they, I, was, I, would, I was thinking like they would think that I'm the last person to smoke. You feel me? So I didn't want, I was embarrassed to smoke around them. So mm-hmm. I just smoked with a nigga that I didn't really know like that. Mm-hmm. You feel me? Yeah. And I remember like, I was, I was scared, but I knew they would know. That I'm uh, sooner or later that I'm smoking, you know. Yeah. So I just smoked with them one day. I was just like, "Yo, blow that!" And these niggas was like, "They was like, what nigga you smoke?" And they just got mad at me and stuff like that. Like, "Yo, why ain't you tell me? Oh, you gonna smoke with some nigga you don't even know like that?" Da da da, you know. So I told them I was like, you know, it's whatever. I start smoking with them. They blow like a tray five. It's just three point five grams, you know. That's a lot for somebody new to smoking, you know. So I'm just like, I'm like, damn, bro, I got high as hell, bro. I I don't even think it was. I think it was like a quad, bro, because we smoked a lot, bro. We, we was on Lake Calhoun, too. I remember, bro. And what happened was- For those of you that don't smoke, that's a lot. Yeah. <laughs> Seven grams, bro, to a new smoker. Like, it was- And we was on like four people. I got high as a kite, bro. And I remember I was in the car with these niggas. And one of my close friends, you know, who knew what was going on at this time, he looks at me. You know, everybody just laughing and shit. They all high as hell. And he looks at me. He's like, yo, Abdurrahman, if you smoking- to like have fun, bro, and it's your senior year, all of this shit, have fun. By all means, have fun. Yeah. 
But he said, if you smoking to just run away from like no what you're going, he said, stop right now. Oh. And I remember, bro, Wallahi, I had this Wallahi, bro, it was so vivid, my nigga. I remember we was in a car, we was in a small ass whip, we was in the homie, he took his auntie car and shit. We was in the back of the whip. It's like five of us, bro. Yeah. You know, six of us, some shit like that. Tight. We in the, tight in the car, bro. And I'm in the end next to the window and we're driving, bro. And I'm looking out the window, bro. And I'm just thinking like, damn, bro. I'm not thinking about nothing. I'm not thinking about shit. I'm just having fun. I smoked every day after that, bro. You're like, this, well, live, this shit is late, you feel yeah. me? But soon things just started becoming more boring. My tolerance got up. The more I smoked, it was, you know what I mean? So it doesn't, it, it doesn't last. Yeah. yeah after a while, I, I, I digressed. It was only took, that was like June, July. I started doing pills in November 2016. Only took me like four or five months. What wow. made you get into that? Bro, my, my whole thing was it was coping for me. It wasn't to have fun, you know what I mean? And that's that that's why it hit you what your homie said. Yeah. And that's why like that's a I was very, going through some shit. That's a very like important thing. And that's yeah. a very like that's a well it is actually super important. Like people don't realize, like a lot of people say, yo, I smoke for fun or I smoke for the vibes, right? But the reality of it is there is some I'm not even gonna lie, there are some people that are good. They're straight. Yeah, yeah. right? They, Friday, they have, Saturday. Yeah, they just smoke and they're good and they go about their day. <laughs> yeah. But there's some people that smoke because of trauma. There's mm-hmm. some people that smoke because of things that they should, mental health, anxiety, depression, yeah, all these things yeah. that they have to like, you got to get. Go through the proper channels. The proper channels, go through therapy. And what's crazy is us, the environment we're growing in, yeah. we deal with those things without even knowing we're dealing with it. Oh, yeah. No, so I would say, Imagine bro, coping with something that you don't even know you're coping from. Wallahi, I would say, bro, and this is just me throwing numbers out there, bro. 80% of some of my kids deal with shit like that. Yeah. 80%. That's Thanks. easy numbers. Wallahi billah. And like, some people might look at it because right now, there's like a battle between people saying like, yo, just stop like self-diagnosing and saying, yo, I have anxiety and yeah. I have depression, right? Yeah. And people saying, yo, like, it's not just that. More people are coming out with that shit because it's becoming a norm. Like, it's becoming... That's cap. How would they even know? I feel like a lot of times people are looking from the outside and they just saying, oh, yeah, that nigga not dealing with shit. Right. You know exactly. what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot but- of times people, they, they, they look at their problems, right? And the thing is, right, and and they think, oh, I've been through so much shit, that motherfucker ain't go through nothing. Yeah, right? that's what everybody but pain thinks. Pain is subjective, yeah. though. Yeah, it's only people that's going through it only can know how much it, you know, they're go how much it feels. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Somebody might go through something like you know what I mean. Like I might lose a brother, exactly. and I might not be that that phased by it. And you might lose a brother, and that might hurt you a lot, yeah, right? Yeah, and it's yeah. either way. Everybody feels pain differently. You and know that, what I mean? And that's like evident in our community. Yeah, because there was. X amount of months where people were dropping like flies yeah. from gun violence yeah. and from like overdoses. Yeah. And then if you look at the months following that year, it's just a boom in people dealing with addiction. Yeah. There is a there has to be a correlation, bro. And like for the people that say addiction is a choice, and for the people that say like addiction is this and is that and the third, like just look at that and try to understand like the correlation between trauma. And, and the environment that people grow up in and the bullshit that they, they deal with at 15, 16, 17, 18 years old. Yeah. And the only choice, honestly, the only access choice that they have, right? For if you could testify to this too, for a lot of people, they don't have access to therapy or they don't know how to get 
go about getting that help, right? But they don't even know it's a problem. Is exactly. What I'm saying. And then somebody Along goes, yo, the stigma around and it. somebody goes, yo, smoke this blunt. Yeah. You're going to be fine. Yeah. And they smoke the blunt and they're fine. Yeah. And all, because you said that you looked out the window and you were like, yo, I'm not thinking about all, none of my problems. Yeah. I'm chilling. <laughs> right. And they smoke the blunt and they're fine. Yeah. They smoked every day since then, a lie and every be, single day. Man. Yep. Yeah. And then they every begin to spiral. Day. Except for like days I was locked up. That's it. Yeah. When I went to jail. Yeah. That's it. But as soon as I got out, I would smoke again. And when you went to jail, did you ever, did you ever say I'm gonna stop when I leave, or were you on some? Bro, I can't wait to smoke was, when I get out. There was so many different times. Like you know, this is one thing that I really appreciate the fact that I, when I was younger, that I had that connection to God. Was that every time something bad happened, I just would be like, oh shit, and I just start praying. There's not a time when I was in jail I ain't pray. Mm-hmm. You feel me? There was not a time I I didn't got shot at. That I didn't. The next like for a whole week I was like religious. You feel me? <laughs> I was just like yo. Mashallah, that's good. I was trying to. I was trying to. I was trying to go back. You know, but it was like I didn't know how to. I didn't know how to. I didn't know how to make that change in my life. I didn't know what to do. And along with that, you know, like I feel like I was I was looked at it in a bad way. You know, I didn't know who to go to. Oh yeah. You know what I mean? That's stigmatizing. That's pushing people out of the Yeah, community. I go inside a message, bro. A nigga go crazy. look at me like, yo, where you been? You know, y'all time. You know, I go it's pray next Allah, to a nigga, bro. a nigga going, well, I dead ass, bro. This has happened to me before. A nigga praying, he see, he see me praying next to him. He grab his phone while he's in mid prayer, bro. And move. And move his prayer phone. Feel me? Think I'm finna steal it while we praying together, bro. You know what I mean? Shit like that happens all the time, though. You feel me? Yes. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So it's like you you get this vibe, bro, where like you're not wanted, yeah. no matter where you go. So you have this feeling of aloneness, and you don't know where to go. You don't know how to change. You know what I mean? Alhamdulillah, since like 2019, there's been a lot of change oh, yeah. in that. You know, with stigma and and there's a lot of proper channels you can go through. You see a lot of Somali therapists. You see a lot of mental health facilities, a lot of mm-hmm. treatment facilities people can go through, and it's. You know, we're in 2021, bro. Like, social media is the new age. You see all of this on social media. All you got to do is click a button. You can make an appointment. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. But it's just the fact that a matter that a lot of times people don't have that push yeah. from, you know, whether it's friends and family. And it's because of the fact and the lack of knowledge of, you know, what's going on. A lot of times people, there might it might be out there, but people are either too prideful to admit it. I've seen times, bro, a lot. I've seen parents, bro, who will not, they know their kid has a problem. They say it like straight up when they're talking to us, but they don't want to take them to treatment. You feel me? They're like, nah, I can't do that. How can we as a community get over that? Mm. I know you, you probably had how you've yeah. got more experience that's, that's than everyone very, else. What are yeah. steps that you've taken? Yeah, that we can at least help you with, or your brother that has nothing to do with this that wants to take part of it. Where they can they start? I think a big thing, bro, that a lot of times, like, and this is why, like, if if you look at like a lot of the videos that I post, rarely does it speak to the addict. Mm-hmm. It speaks to people around addiction. You know what I mean? Because they're supposed to be that cushion to help somebody. Mm-hmm. They're supposed to be that push. You know what I mean? I can't help everybody. Mm-hmm. I'm not Superman, you feel me? <laughs> like, bro, like you know what I'm saying, bro? Like, there should be everybody that, 100% that, that should, everybody needs to help everybody. You know what I mean? You feel me? And so most of the time when I do this and I speak, speak and I, you know, make these videos and stuff like that, most of it is to show the reality of the situation. Yeah. You know, that people, and it's not, and I truly don't believe people are evil, bro. I don't believe that. I just, nah. pe- people I just don't know, bro. They're yeah. ignorant, bro. You know, you know, niggas don't know how bad it is. What's really dope and it, what's a consistent thing or a theme that I've been seeing in our podcast is 
what we're what we're doing right now mm -hmm. is building community, right? Yeah, One. facts. And the second thing that we're doing is we're showing people it's not just you. Yeah. Both positively, yeah. both both positive positively. I can't mm -hmm. talk. Both positively <laughs> and and with the things that you're dealing with in life. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. The positive things, like if you want to be a poet, if you want to be an artist, if you want to be, you know, uh, a videographer, if you want to be all these things, is showing kids and the people out there, like, yo, it's not just you. There's yeah, other yeah. people that want to do this too, right? Yep. And then with things like addiction and mental health and all these diff different things, I don't even want to categorize it as positive and negative, just yeah. two different sides of, of a coin that everybody deals with. Mm -hmm. Bro, you know, it's crazy that um, one of the homies told me that, you know, there's former presidents, there's former presidents that have admitted to using crack cocaine and hard drugs mm -hmm. in their teenage lives. That's fact. And they became presidents of the United States. Mm -hmm. And what he said was people like that have the access and the cushion like he said, to hide their addiction and to deal with it properly. Our kids don't really have that. That's why their addiction is out there into the world. That's why everybody knows that they're addicted to these drugs. They get kicked out of their crib. They get kicked out of their crib because you know they're their outside. Friends, their friends telling them fuck off. Mm -hmm. Exactly. You know, I mean? you know what I mean? They're asking you money to do with their to to to, to funnel their addiction. All these different mm -hmm. things. You know what I mean? Yeah. So by doing things like this, what we're doing is one showing people that are even listening to this. Like one, this is a real thing. This isn't like something that. It's a trend. This isn't something that people are doing because it's cool. This is something that everybody, everybody, mm -hmm. whether you know somebody that deals with addiction or not, needs to take part in, right? And the other part of it is showing kids like, yo, wow, it's not just me dealing with this. There's, there's actually other niggas out here like, that They're are dealing, dealing with addiction. With mm -hmm. And what's even cooler is like, there's actually other niggas out here that are dealing with addiction. And wallahi billahi, I have the most, the most, the most respect. And he knows this too, for people that go through the recovery process and like make it out and, and like, you're, you never stop being an addict, yeah. if, I'm, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. You just learn ways to like cope with it and deal with it, right? I have, a, I have an immense amount of respect for people like that. But it's showing kids that like it's possible. So that is amazing to me. The, the follow-up question, what I was leading to, I know I talk a lot, um, is talk, talk, talk to us a little bit about your recovery process. Yeah. Whatever, obviously, that you feel comfortable with talking for sure. about. For nah, sure, Your, bro, your yeah. recovery process and, and what that was like. And a lot of people have aha moments. That's what I call it. When people get... Hit in the head and they're like, oh shit, mm. I got to do this. Right? Yeah. What was your aha moment? You know, it's crazy, and, bro. And talk to me about your recovery. Well, I, you know, it's crazy, bro. Yeah. I was in class today, you know, so I'm in school for my LADC. Yeah. So I was taking a class today, a multicultural counseling. And one of the questions that like we were doing, like a, like a, what's it called? Uh, bro, my tongue is stuck, bro. Sorry, it's not when just you, it's When not you do easy. something together. You collaborate? Nah, <laughs> a pro it's not a project, but it's like- You just do something together. It starts with an A, A, some shit, bro. It starts with an S, A, E, E. E? Uh, exercise. Exercise. <laughs> we were doing an exercise. Hey, bro, I don't know, bro. My, my mind just got stuck. I know. You're going to cut that right now. No, we got everything. We're not going to cut that. Now we're not going to. We're going to cut that. We're not going to put that in there. If, if I, if That's going to be the start of the whole thing. Hey, hey, hey. It's called the eh, eh, eh. Oh, anyway. Anyways, we were doing the exercise. You feel me? Yeah. And, uh, they were talking about like it was how to you know um we were doing motivational interviewing mm. and we were talking about like you know we're doing an exercise between a client and a counselor and the part that we were doing was basically to speak about like uh, we're doing like uh what's it called rolling with resistance and basically if a client is um you know like uh resistant to their counselor mm -hmm. in terms of taking their advice and stuff like that yeah. we're doing exercises and one of them was like to talk about something 
that you feel like a lot of people don't 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 relate to you on, mm-hmm. you know? And I was talking to all that Donnelly. She was probably like in her 50s, 60s, you know what I mean? Yeah. But she was cool though. I was talking to her, I think her name was Kate or some shit. And I talked to her and I, and she was telling me about like, you know, she does like uh missionary work in uh what is that? Peru, mm-hmm. Machu Picchu. That's where Machu Picchu is, right? Yeah. She's talking about Machu Picchu. And then um Basically, I was talking to, uh, and she told me about that anyways, but what I was trying to get to is when I was talking to her, I told her about the reason why I stopped doing like the lifestyle that I live. I don't, like when I was trying to change, bro, it wasn't simply because like, like I felt like drugs were bad. Yeah. Oh yeah. I learned that later on. Yeah. I just didn't want to die. Wow. You feel me? I just will lie, bro. Like, I'm going to keep it real. Like, yeah. my life, the way I was living it and everything, bro, I felt like I was finna die, bro. You know what I mean? Like, whether whether by the pill or by the gun or how I was living, yeah. like, I just- Eminent death was Yeah, at the end bro. Of the I year. just felt it creeping at my door, bro. Like, I used to have these feelings. So, the aha moment was just feeling, I'm going to die. Yeah, bro. I used to have panic attacks, anxiety attacks, all of that shit. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? But it wasn't only because of that. It was just like, I kept ODing. That 2019, I OD'd the most of my life. Wow. OD like four or five times. Wow. You feel me? Damn near every month, bro. I would just wake up in a, a paramedic. I would wake up in a hospital. You feel me? Like, it was bad, bro. You know? And the reason I feel like why was because in 2018, I got shot at three times. And that's that's why like my life was about to die by the gun. And so I told myself, I'm going to get out of here. Mm. I went to Duluth. Feel me? I was like, yo, I'm gonna change my life, but I'm gonna still turn up. Yeah. I'm just gonna get some money. You feel me? That's what I thought was my problem. I was like, yo, I'm not out here, you know, like getting some money. Like I'm out here, you know, robbing and doing all of this, you know, crazy shit. Mm-hmm. So I was like, I need to get away from that because that's what's bringing these problems. That's gonna bring the equation of death. Mm-hmm. So I'm gonna continue doing my drugs, but I'm gonna just give me some money. I'm gonna try going to school. You know what I mean? Because that's what I was doing in 2017. And 2016. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. I was still turning up, but I was going to school and I was working and shit. So like in my eyes, I was like, yo, if I still work. And because that tragic change in my life was in the end of 2017, I started, you know, really, really doing some other shit that kind of put me into a whole bunch of, you know, stupid shit. You know what I mean? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I told myself, yo, if I get myself out of that situation, I can still turn up. And that was working for a little bit, but you know, like because of the fact that I used this to cope, you know, it wasn't like people just stopped dying. My homie started to keep, yeah, they kept it's dying. Like every time you feel like you get in the head, something pulls you back. And and then, you know, like that's that was my way to cope. Yeah. And so during that time period, you know, cause I wasn't, uh, you know, when in 2018, I was using fentanyl heavy and opioids in general. But you know where I was at, they, they didn't have none of that, you feel me? Or if they did, I didn't know nobody. So I turned to alcohol. I, I, I got really deep in with alcohol. You know what I mean? A really close friend of mine died. And like he wasn't even in the streets or nothing, you know? And that really like just turned my life in a really bad way. And I got really deep into the alcohol, you know? And I wasn't paying the bills, nothing, none of that stuff. You know, I was I had roommates. And that was affecting me. And then I got like three uh letters from the county in Diamonds, three different charges, felonies, you feel me? I had to come back to Minneapolis. And that's when I was like, I really was dealing with like just depression, bro. Cause my lawyer told me I had three to five years I had to face, 
You feel me? And I was just like, yo, what the hell, nigga? You feel me? I'm going to Damn. jail. Yeah, Damn. bro. You know, because I was doing some stupid yeah. shit. And I, there was a time period in my life where I was doing a whole lot of stupid shit and I wasn't getting caught up, bro. Yeah. And wallahi, bro, niggas was saying, yo, this nigga, he, he, ain't never get, he never get caught up. What's going on? Then I just started getting caught up. Everything. Yeah, bro. You feel me? I just kept getting, I kept going to jail. <laughs> it was back your to turn. Back. Yeah. You feel me? Because I feel like in life, when you make mistakes, God gives you a little bit of leniency and leeway. For you to re- yeah, to re- realize your actions. But if not, it's tight. Oh, it comes at you quick. Feel me? And that's what happened. You're not lying. Yep. You feel me? He'll give you a little bit of chill time. You feel me? Oh, just so you can realize it's always, you're wrong. It's like know? when you're a little kid and you went to go get like something you weren't supposed to. And you yep. got, you caught, you get, like, you got away with it. Probably get the cookie one time. And you're like, damn, nigga, if I do this shit again, I'm not going to get caught. Yeah. Get caught right get there caught and right then. right there You feel me? So that's how it was with me. You know, and um, as time went on, bro, like shit just kept going. I was I was really depressed, bro. And alhamdulillah, bro, like, I remember, like, I had a really flip of the switch moment in the beginning of 2019 where I, I, had, a, I had a realization that if I keep really living this life, that I'm going to die. Like, something crazy happened to me that I'd rather not talk about. Yeah. But I just, like, bro, I, I felt like I was going to die, bro. It was January 2019, I think January 21st. Well, I remember that day, you know? And and then I, I tried to stop. Mm-hmm. But I was in Minneapolis, bro. You know, everybody around me doing this shit. You know, I mean, it's everywhere. I can't stay at home. There's a lot of stuff going on. My Dude. mama know about what's going on with me with the, you know, with the uh, cops and shit like that, yeah. with the feds and shit. Yeah. And she know, like, outside what's going on. It got to the point where my mom would let me come home fucked up because she didn't want me to get shot. You feel me? And so... It was bad, bro. I I was like, yo, like this shit is too much. Some some something gotta shake. Something gotta change. Yeah. Alhamdulillah, bro. Thunder. I ended up I ended up, you know what I'm saying? Uh, one of the one of the court cases they had insuffic- insufficient evidence. Yeah, you beat it. Yeah. The other one, uh, I talked to the prosecutor and she dropped it to a minor theft. Uh-huh. You feel me? I thought I was a lot of girl, bro. Knocked it, bro. It's Ramadan too, bro. Alhamdulillah. You feel me? I'm fasting. Yeah. I just told her I was like, yo, I'm trying to change my life. Yeah. You feel me? Yeah. And the other one, they told me, yo, uh, it was three charges. I copped uh, one of the charges and they dropped the other two. You know what I mean? The, the charge that I took, it was a gross misdemeanor. Yeah. So anyways, they ended up uh, they ended up dropping it. Uh, they told me, though, I had to do one month in jail. I went into jail. And for the first time in my life for like, what, like three years, four years, I started praying. Mm. You know what I mean? Turn it back to Allah. Yeah. And there was one thing that was really bothering me. During that whole time from when this started, you know what I mean? That was going on in my life. That Alhamdulillah, during this time period, I got over. You know what I mean? And I, like, my mom used to support me a lot. I had this one friend named Osama who never gave up on me. And oh, another yeah, friend that was, you know, really close. Like, two other friends. You know what I mean? One that was outside of the uh, states and the one that was here, too. Mashallah. So, that that was really, you know, my homie Khadr. He also was very, you know, uh, they, they was pushing me, you know? And... Uh, my homie Khadr, we used to be in this shit together. You know, he yeah. got sober like a year before me. He ended up going to uh, court, mm-hmm. and they ended up telling him, "Yo, you gotta do treatment." Yeah. So they ended up telling me, "Yo, you gotta, uh, you know, uh, you gotta do treatment." He used to tell me to come, and he like after he finished, he told me to come. But he, I remember how he was allowing about it while he was in there. <laughs> so I was like, "Nigga, you, you just like, you were like, I'm not trying to do with that." Yeah, you yeah. feel me? So I stepped back. But anyways, when I was in jail, I ended up. Uh, you know, making a lot of dua, bro. And one dua I was making is like, babe, you know? Like I used to tell I used to make that dua like, Allah make me hate this. I remember I get out, 
two days before Ramadan, May 3rd. Ramadan was May 5th. It was a Saturday. Ramadan was a Monday. Sunday, Sunday night or Sunday afternoon, I remember uh, somebody hit me up and it was like, yo, let's go smoke. So the day before Ramadan, let's go get lit. Know what I mean? Yeah. I tell myself, I'm like, shit, why not? You feel me? I told myself it's this one last time, you know? And I hit up actually one of the homies. Uh, I don't know if you know him named Noor. Bandalaha. One of the homies. He was in uh he was in Armada during this time. And I hit him up. Oh, you know Fahd, right? Mm-hmm. It's Fahd's cousin. Yeah. So I told him I was like, yo, bro, like, make dua for me, you know? And he made dua for me. And that nigga, he knew a little bit about my situation. Bro, Allah, if I tell you the next day, I try to smoke, you know. And and bro, I don't I don't know if you know how much you know about like like people that be doing like addicted to opioids. Most of the time when people get really addicted to opioids, they stop smoking weed. They don't need to. You feel me? Opioids enough. So with me, that's how it was. You know, like I, I stopped smoking like that. So I don't know if it was a lighthead or not. And that's how I thought. But that day, I remember I got some bad vibes. I ended up smoking a little and I left. And I had the worst anxiety attack. Like it was bad, bro. Like it was so horrible. And it lasted for a minute. But what's crazy, every single time after that I smoked, I had the worst anxiety attack. It was bad, bro. I remember even like during Ramadan, I would try. And then it would be like, I wouldn't want to do that. I didn't want to smoke. So I would go back to the uh, to the perk, right? And then I wouldn't want to do the perk. So I tried to smoke again. And the smoke, it wouldn't work. You feel me? And then I remember a close friend of mine had died during Ramadan. And I watched his body, you know? And he had OD'd. And that really like changed my perspective. Because I ain't never... Like I seen a homies like get shot. I done seen, you know, the homies, uh, uh, you know get buried and stuff like that. I ain't never watched my, like my dad home, you know? And that shit really changed me, bro. Like that shit just like, you know, cause also he wasn't really like a type of person to do none of that, you know? Yeah. Like he wasn't, he wasn't really heavy on it. He just was like regularly just turn up every now and then, you know? And Allah and Haris Allah, you know, Alhamdulillah, he, he died during Ramadan, you know? Yeah, at least he died during Ramadan, you know? But that shit really messed me up. And mm-hmm. what's crazy is one of the homies that watched him with me is dead too, you know? Allah knows He just, just died last year, you know? But, um, bro, Allah, bro, that shit had a flip of this. It was really, it was really like, I was like, yo, I'm finna die, bro. You know, yeah. like. Like, I'm next type thing. Yeah, yeah you yeah. feel me? So and I gotta I was, change my ways. Yeah, so I remember mm-hmm. I went up to my mom's. I told her, yo, I gotta go. And, bro, I remember, bro, like, throughout this time period, bro, even after, bro, like, it wasn't like I watched his body and I just, I swore off of this shit. I kept going. You feel me? Uh, course, I kept because yeah. I couldn't Cause, stop. Because you know what's what's really interesting, and a lot of people don't really understand. Like it's not just a flip of a switch. You yeah. don't just stop, and yeah. you don't just start. You feel me? It's a it's a process. That's why yeah. going through treatment is a very very important thing. Yeah, bro. I feel like during that time period, I was in the contemplation state of change, but I didn't really get to the actual part of like me doing it. And so I was thinking about it a lot, and I wanted to do it, but. I didn't know the necessary steps and actions to take. It's crazy, bro, because I didn't even know how effective treatment was to the point where I had to, I just left, bro. You know what I mean? And it's only by God's grace, bro, that I'm still sober, bro. Yeah. It has nothing to do with that. You feel me? It's just the fact that, because like, I didn't I didn't go to treatment, bro. You know what I mean? And there's a lot of people that go to me, they be like, oh, yo, then you ain't, you ain't go to treatment. You feel me? Yeah. Like, so why should I go to treatment? You know, I'm going to just dug it out. Yeah. You know, but it's like, 
I didn't even know that was an option, bro. Like yeah, the only option yeah. that I was given, I didn't know anything about it because there was so much stigma around it, you know? Like I thought it was, nigga, the only nigga I knew that went to treatment was my homie. You feel me? And he went there because he was forced. Qasab. Qasab. Yeah. He went there because of court. It was out of that jail. You know what I mean? Yeah. And he was complaining so much about it. Rather if I, you know, really like just sat one day in that room, in their group, and I understood what was going on, I probably would have went there. Yeah. But I didn't, you know? And then also on the other hand, there was a lot of other things that there was, you know, I was worried about. It wasn't just about the drug. There was a lot of things that I just needed to step back from, yeah, you course, know. And so, so you man. talked a little bit about um, treatment and not really knowing about the access to it and and having like an aha moment in your life and being like, okay, I've done a lot in my life, but I want to change my life for the better right now, yeah. right? And not being able to just like go to a specific place or talk to a specific person and get yeah. that done specific to you and your demographic and your identity, right? Yeah. And you're doing a lot of work surrounding that in terms of yeah. giving kids um, that chance, that opportunity yeah. um, to be like, okay, I want to change my life. Who do I go to? Where yeah. do I go, right? Yeah. So talk a little bit about that. Okay, so um, there's a place called Alliance Wellness Center, right? A lot of people are familiar with it. Uh, uh, it's run by a good friend of mine, Yusuf Shafi. He works uh, with the, he's, he, he's been running this treatment center for I think like seven years. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're, they're culture specific. They work with the community. They work within the community. And most of their programs and programming and, you know, groups and stuff, the criteria is specific to people that are, you know, East African, of East African descent, whether it's due to culture, religion, all of these things. Mm-hmm. And so um, I think that's a really big thing. You know what I mean? Having, um, having literature, having work and programming specific to, you know, whether it's your belief system, yeah. whether it's your background, your upbringing. Because going back to what yeah. you said about the mom, she doesn't, she didn't, she wanted her kid to get better. She knew her kid was doing mm. things that he wasn't supposed to be doing, yeah. but she didn't want to take him to treatment. Yeah, you know what I mean. So it's like there is a lot of miscommunication in the community and yeah. a lot of misunderstanding. The community. and also pros and cons too. Because yeah. when you look at that, oh, course, like there's yeah. a lot of people that don't want to go to a Somali treatment specific just because it's catering to Somalis. Yeah. Because they think, yo, like, because what's the big thing in our culture? They think, oh, you know what I mean? And then the stigma just continues. Exactly. You know what I mean? So that's a big thing. I think the biggest thing about stigma is just people having to learn and unlearn things. You know what I mean? So for the parents, I think it's, it's different because the love of a child can change your mind in seconds. Right? And so when a parent is going through it and uh, go, go, going seeing 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 their kid, you know, you know, damn near dying and you know slowly killing themselves, right? There's that change they want to change. They'll do anything to change, right? And then there's some parents that are you know not like that, but it everybody is different, right? But yeah. I feel like most of the time, and the majority of parents that we deal with are very open to this, and the reason why is because they understand that this is something that's like life or death. Yeah, mm-hmm. they understand that. And that so change, that, that change is that change has to happen. Yeah, yeah but so. I feel like the biggest thing with the stigma isn't for those you know that are surrounded by it, and even though everybody damn near is surrounded by it, I feel like some people are not affected by it as much as mo- others are, mm-hmm. right? And so for those that are outside, that's where it's like that's where it's important that outside that outside circle, yeah. because it's like um. I wouldn't say a wave, like a puddle, like when you touch the wave, it's on, it's like that, but from the outs- opposite. The outside in. Yeah, the outside yeah, in. The you know what I mean? In, yeah. Because that's how, it, like a that's dominoes. How, exactly. That's how change is kind of created is through the outside in, especially for this specific, um, 
you know, problem or issue yeah. in our community. So talk to me about Generation Hope, man, because I know you've been doing that for a while now. Yeah, G- Generation Hope, we started it in 2019. Um, it started like I was three months sober, bro. You know what yeah, I mean? I remember, yeah. I remember you telling me that. Yeah. I was lie, bro. I was, I was fresh off the, you know, I just, I didn't even want to start it at that time period. Me and my friends were talking about it and it was just an idea. We wanted to start it when I got a year sober. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because I felt like niggas wouldn't listen to me. They'd be like, nigga, we just did this shit with you yesterday, nigga. Like, you know I mean? <laughs> nigga, you was on a block with me two months what ago. What you talking about, bro? Yeah. You feel know I me? Mean? And so I didn't think niggas was going to listen to me. I didn't. So I felt like, yo, we should do this when I get a year sober. But for a lot of people, everybody knows, like, 2019 was a bad year in our community. You know, yeah. a lot of people were overdosing. And it wasn't just like one time, one time, one time. It was by the mass, like, five people dying in one month. Yeah, crazy. Like, what the fuck? Like, how does they... Because, you know, like, the thing is, like, niggas was putting out bad batches, you know? So, you know what I mean? Like, fan are not all the same. They might look the same, but they're not all the same. They all get... It's like Kool-Aid. One's more sweeter than the other. But the Kool-Aid is death. You feel me? Like, one, it just gets you a little high, but if you put too much, you're going to die. And niggas don't know the difference. So some niggas, they be making a, a batch and it has too much in it. Mm. So they're going to die. You feel me? And so, like... Yeah, that was happening, bro. Like every few months, just a bunch of people was dying. So you felt like you felt like, because um, I I kind of feel this too. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's kind of like a very time sensitive issue. Yeah, you feel like if I don't do something now, the longer I wait, the more kids got to deal with this. The more kids gonna die from this, the more it's gonna continue. Right. Yeah, so something I was dealing with during my first like year of sobriety, I still deal with it. But Alhamdulillah, like I go to therapy now. You feel me? So I've learned how to like. You know, deal with my emotions and process them in a better way. Yeah. But when I was my first year in, bro, like I didn't know how to process these emotions, and I went through something called survivor's guilt. Yeah. Right. And for those that don't know, survivor's guilt is when uh, somebody that is a survivor of a traumatic, uh, like uh, event, survives, and those that they know or they love don't survive. Right. And they feel, and they feel like, why me? Like, yeah. Why did I you know what I mean? And so, like with me, bro, like I used to feel guilty all the time. Guilty as fuck. You know, like I just. I would like, I would see like friends of mine, people I done grew up with, niggas I love, like just dying, bro, you know? And I feel like, damn, bro, this is my fault. Like how the fuck, like it don't make no sense. A nigga I know, he good to his moms, he good to his peoples, you know what I mean? Ain't nobody, he ain't never hurt nobody, you know what I mean? Like he ain't, like how does that even happen, Mm -hmm. you know? And it might sound fucked up, you know, especially as a Muslim. And it wasn't even in a way for me to question God or nothing like that. It just like I was so confused as to why I am the su- survivor. You know how did yeah. I how did I get through that? You know what I mean? I remember bullets passing by my ears, bro. You know what I mean? A nigga ain't never get shot at in his life. He die over a pill. You know what I mean? And like with me, like I don't I don't overdose so many times, and I'm still alive. You know? And so during this time period, it really like it really had a big effect on me, bro. You know, I used to, I grew up a tough shell, bro. And so when I got sober, bro, and this shit would happen, it broke that tough shell in half, bro. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I got hella emotional, you feel me, bro? Yeah. But alhamdulillah, like writing, bro, that helped me a lot. I would process my emotions, like, you know, with poetry and just writing, stuff like that, journaling, all of that. Mm-hmm. And during this time period, like a really close friend of mine who was sober at the same time I got sober, you know, who was helping me out. You know, I was going through withdrawals. I didn't know about anything, you know, MAT, like Medicaid assisted treatment, Suboxone, none of that stuff. I didn't know about it, bro. So when I left, bro, I just went through some really rough rift withdrawals. You so know wait, what, I mean? what is that stuff? MAT, so Suboxone and um, Methadone, they're like, they're Medicaid assisted treatment. Uh, it's like, um, 
it's basically to help people that are going through withdrawals. Yeah, it's, the, right? it's so, to wean you off of the, yeah. the, whatever you're addicted to. Okay. So, so when somebody's like, when somebody is addicted to an opioid, right? A painkiller. Uh, basically, they get this euphoric feeling because their pain receptors get an over, overly amount of like relief mm-hmm. to the point where they just feel like, kind of like, yeah, raha, you feel yeah. me? Like you just feel like Access you're sleeping on a, yeah, you, exactly. You sleep on, it's like it feels like you're sleeping on a cloud. You know what I mean? And so when it stops getting that excess of, you know, the feeling of what it's getting, your body just starts reacting in ways, you know, it's a pain receptor. So you just start feeling pain everywhere in your joints, in your back, in your neck. You can't sleep. You can't eat. Uh, my nigga, you feel me? Like you get sweaty as hell at nighttime when it's cold. Then you get cold. Like you can't do nothing, bro. Like, you know what I mean? And so those treatments yeah. are only given to you if you're in a treatment program or can you get it no, outside you can of get it. You can get it through a clinic. You don't have to go okay. through treatment. You know what I mean? You could just go to a clinic. A lot of times people don't want to go to a clinic because they're like, yo, what if I get shot or what if I get in a car crash? They ain't never going to give me perks or none of that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That's how niggas be thinking. But like, I think it's just like, um, yeah, bro. Like, you know, I didn't know. Anyways, getting to the back to the topic, I didn't know about that stuff, you know? And so- that homie was like really helping me out. Like he was telling me, yo, this is what you got to do. He telling me, get this, get that. You know what I mean? I take a lot of showers, you know, just watch a lot of Netflix. He would just send me so many Netflix shows, bro. <laughs> well, that's my nigga, bro. You know, like yeah, he sent me a lot friend. of, he sent me just shows on shows, bro. You feel me? Just to like get my mind off of things. And we would talk about him. You know, like, yo, like, what'd you think about this show? We just talk about him, you know? I feel like that's the hardest was, part. Yeah. Everyone... Yeah. When someone's trying to change, it's usually hard to do it alone. Mm-hmm. And someone that sometimes the easiest part is finding a community that accepts you for who you are. Oh, yeah. And then doing what they do. Because eventually you'll just get bored and go back to whatever the hell you're good at. Yeah. And I feel that's why a lot of kids get into things that they're not supposed to because they're not stimulated enough throughout the day. Oh yeah. Their their parents either aren't available during the night. Either they went to school and they came home and there's nobody at home so they could do whatever the hell they want. Mm-hmm. So there's nobody telling them, hey, don't do that. Because they're bored or they're not tired, right? A lot of these Adam people, I feel like where they get to level up is they take their kids to school and then after school, they have them do these after school programs that mentally get them tired and then they make them go do sports. Mm-hmm. And by the time the kid comes home at 7, 8, he's tired. Mm-hmm. He don't want to deal with nobody, let alone friends. You mm-hmm. want to go to sleep. Exactly. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I feel like our community is lacking. And maybe it's education. But just having that ability of having our parents to trust that, hey, after school, it might not be best for this kid to stay at home because they might resent you. Mm-hmm. Let them f- do something outside of school. Mm-hmm. Let them do something that they enjoy. Mm-hmm. Out- outdoor activities that are monitored. Mm-hmm. And it's hard. And can I, can I also speak to something that, because like, I've been in a lot of conversations where people are actively arguing with me whether or not addiction is a choice. Right? And they're having that argument, they're having that conversation. They like To the people that are, that are thinking right now, well, well, you know, my parents let me go play basketball. My parents take me to after school programs. Like, I think also as a community, we got to really take our feet out of our own shoes and walk in other people's shoes. 100%. More often than we think, like, your first thought shouldn't be, oh, well, my parents let me do this. Your first thought should be, oh, shit, people don't get to do that. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. How can I learn more about it? Mm-hmm. And what can I do to help? Sometimes prevention is way better than trying to... Prevent, problem, prevention right? is the key. Even right now, because we had this conversation, all the nonprofits and everything that we have right now in our community, nothing, none of it is prevention. Everything's after Everything the is after, because the after fact of drugs and addiction is profitable. It makes money for people, right? Mm. 
the 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 addiction centers get to stay open the the sorry not addiction centers the rehab centers get to stay open the people that are doing the outreach get to do their outreach mm-hmm. um the people that are doing their um you know uh, information teaching people about it get to keep doing it the medication um, the that medication, you're getting off the pharmacy going, but still getting its if money if we are creating paths and avenues to prevent people from using mm-hmm. opioids and drugs as a way and a means to like deal with their problems all of that stops. It disappears. You yeah. feel me? Then it just it, it becomes a very privatized thing instead of it yeah. becoming like a very fund me so I can make a whole lot of money yeah. saying that I help the community when I exactly. really don't. You exactly. know what I mean? So I feel like, yeah, that that's something that I really, really, really want to touch on and talk prevention. about. Is prevention one and also like, bro, stop with this. Like, well, I got to do it when I was a kid. So what's wrong with these other people? Why are they dealing with these problems? Like, it's not even about you. At it's all. not even about any of that. It's about like your again. Your first response should be, "Holy shit, I didn't know that." Like, damn, people don't live like me out there in the world. How can I learn more, and what can I do to help? Yeah. If we have that mentality as a community, I think we can solve everything. I, I don't think we're bad people. I don't think like we're doing this on purpose to each other. But it's mm-hmm. just like the mentalities and the vocabulary that we use should change. Empathy. That. And empathy should be impl- uh, implied so that we can grow. And I more. think th- some of the reason might be because our community is so small, but it also feels huge. Yeah. Like what have, well, you feel like you know every single person your age, let's mm-hmm. be honest, right? Yeah, for sure. And everyone your age that is, let's say we're Somali, we're black, we're Muslim, but we all don't share the same experiences. Someone might just have the exact same thing as you might even look like you, but live in the burbs. Yeah. And people might consider y'all the same exact person, even mm-hmm. though you've been through way more, right? Yeah. Let's just say- of your own issues, because he probably had his own issues. Of course, yeah. Different kinds of issues, yeah. And it's just, like you said, understanding that, yo, what is your issue? Like, what happened? And understanding, like, where can we go as a community of just learning what happened and trying to solve it? Exactly. So for me, a great example is I grew up around community. I had ample access to community, right? I had to teach myself growing up to look at people that didn't have ample access to community and be like, holy shit, they really didn't have 8,000 Hawaiian people living next to them. Mm. They were living on their own and they had to build their identity. Like I, my identity was given to me, alhamdulillah. Like I never really struggled with that, you know? But for some people, they're like, what am I? There's nobody else that looks like me around me, right? And like, obviously there's black kids and I'm black. I get that, but I'm also Somali. Like I eat anchella and otka in the morning. Yeah. These niggas eat grits and bacon, you feel me? Also getting accepted too though. You were already accepted at yours too. Exactly. So then, and then once beyond that, you go, how can I learn more about it? Which is building community, talking to other people, conversing with other people, being more open. Instead of being like, shut the fuck up, addiction is a choice. Be more open. Communicate with people. Be like, yo, what was that like for you? Who's that one person who said that no, to you? It wasn't one person. Well, I, it wasn't one person. I feel like I don't think every time someone has a conversation with you, you just no, it's you not write it down right there. Person. This guy thinks I have beef with like a whole bunch of people. I really don't. But it's it, it's like, and I never really take it in the person because I personally, alhamdulillah, never dealt with addiction. Right? But I've been around it. Like yeah. I feel like I've been around it so, so much that like every corner, everywhere that I look, it's there. You know what I mean? So Bro, it's questioning is really hard. Like I can speak for some people that yeah. it's hard to try to ask someone about something that's personal, right? Of course. And then it's, it's, it's also personal. hard. Just have the conversation. Mm-hmm. Just talk about it. It doesn't have to be, tell us about your journey with addiction. Sit down and talk. Oh, 100%. Right? Yeah. It should be more of like, let's have a conversation about it and let's converse about it and let's talk about it, right? Ha- what After we're doing we're right here, exactly. now important is like, Abdurrahman, what you're doing right here was one of the most, like this is amazing. Yeah. Just being able to talk about an experience that you had and shed light to that, that's something a lot of people can't do, period. Even successful people. Somebody might be amazing at football, but they can't even have a conversation on how they got there. 
yeah. or how they can teach someone like, yo, I became the best football player by doing these exact steps and this is how you can do it. Some people can't even do that. Yeah. And you saying, I've been through this and this is how you can try to avoid it and this is how I'm trying to help these people. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. One and thing I could say is that I think that when it comes to the whole thing about addiction, it's not really about addiction. Mm-hmm. Oh, you yeah, feel me? For sure. 100%. I think like that's just the scratch of the surface. Mm-hmm. Everybody's human. Everybody got problems. Everybody got pain, right? So I feel like when people see how people resort and react to pain, they get confused because it's not like how they did it. And they think that, oh, okay, well, I did it this way. Why the fuck this person do it this way? We all different, motherfucker. You feel me? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. that's that's just life. Yeah. Everybody different. Everybody react to things differently. But we all have the same root. Pain, experience, life. You know what I mean? And so when it comes to us and each other and how we deal with each other, I feel like that's the best way to understand each other is that we all fucking human. You feel me, bro? Like we all been through shit. We all got pain. We all got families. We want to take care. We got mamas. We got family. We got everybody that we, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. That, that we, Everybody got somebody that love them. Yeah. You know what I mean? We got more in common than we have that are- Indifferent. Yeah, you know yeah, what yeah. I mean? And so like when, when people think, you know, like I feel like the reason why people think that addiction is so taboo is because it sounds like the elephant in the room. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? And the reason why is because when people are speaking about it, they're not speaking about it freely. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. It's like it's swept the under the rug. Yeah. It's like that nigga just standing there in the corner just looking like that. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. it's just, bro, like, I feel like this is not supposed to be like that. This is this is a regular human problem, right? That people deal with addiction in so many different ways. Mm-hmm. It's not just drugs, bro. You feel me? People have different addictions. You know what I mean? And at the end of the day, yeah, this is one that causes a lot of problems. And yeah, but at the end of the day, it has the same root. You know what I mean? We're all dealing, bro. We're we're first generation, second generation. You know what I mean? Yeah. Our parents only been here 30 years max. You feel me, bro? Wow. We're new in this community we're and we're already having... Mm-hmm. We're the renaissance. We're yeah, the you know what I'm saying? So like when it comes to these type of things, bro, like if you look at other communities and how long it took them to break these type of barriers, and it takes a long time, bro. You know what I mean? And the amount of stride that we're making these just past few years, it's amazing, bro. But I feel like the biggest thing to understand is that we're just human, bro. And to just we talk are, like we're all human. Exactly, bro. Have that conversation. You look at somebody in his eyes and you just be like, bro, I feel you, bro. You know what I mean? Since I feel you, I understand and I'm here for you. Mm-hmm. I love you. That's just the fact takes. that you being there. Yeah, that's all it takes. It's all it takes, bro. You know that's what I mean? But when everybody looking at everybody and they thinking, oh, this motherfucker think different from me. I feel like the biggest thing is that social media has caused us to think that our opinion matters. Mm-hmm. Nigga, your opinion is fucking irrelevant. Everybody's opinion is to them. They're entitled to their opinion, it right? Is, and so when they look at somebody else and what they've been through and they're like, this person is different from me, they think that motherfucker wrong. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's acceptance. You know I feel like everybody you know wants like? to be accepted. You know it's like? It's acceptance too, but to the opinion thing. It's like conversations are a, are a soup, right? And everybody's like, yo, my opinion is right here and I've cut it up and I've prepared it and illa be illa qasab, it has to go in the soup. Yeah. Fuck. And if it doesn't go in the soup, <laughs> if it doesn't go in the soup, I'm invalid. Hey. This communication that we're having, this conversation that we're having, I'm out. invalid. Yeah. But the reality is, nigga, your opinion is this fucking side dish, my nigga. Yeah. Soup is there. Your shit's the bread. Yeah. You're supposed to dip it in, eat it, and shut the fuck up. Yeah. You know what I mean? So like, 
if we really look at it like that, now you know what it is? Qasab is going in there. Qadr is going in there. My whole hand is going in there. And I'm a girl, I have a sutra. That's how people came. My opinion is That's a nice example. And you're lying. You know what I mean? But like people need to realize like, bro, first of all, you're not that important. Shut the fuck up. Second of all, like, you're not that important. Shut the fuck up. Like, just relax, calm down. Say what you got to say and like let other people talk and like, and like be like, okay, well, that makes sense. Okay, well, what do you think? Oh, okay, well, that makes exactly. sense. All right, great. We had a nice conversation. It doesn't have to be, yeah, I agree with you. I don't agree with you. Mm-hmm. It should just be like soup. <laughs> Facts. Y'all know that. Y'all know Facts. That. Y'all know that. TikTok's good soup. And then he drinks it. goes, good soup. No, but let me elaborate. On, let me elaborate on I'll acceptance, the though. I'll, look, acceptance. What I'm saying is everybody wants to come into a room. Yeah. And be able to freely be themselves without being judged. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. 100%. So let's say somebody just went through and had a huge problem and they came into the room. Everyone in the room can, you, most of the times you can sense when someone's going through something. Oh, yeah. Everyone choosing to ignore that, especially when it's somewhere where you can be vulnerable, makes the person not want to be vulnerable around those people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So they go somewhere where they can be vulnerable, wherever that issue was. And those people usually accept them more for who they are. Yeah. What I'm saying is, is regardless of where this person came from or what they're doing, what they're going through, be there for them as just, as you said, a human, mm-hmm. period. Mm-hmm. And especially if they're a loved one. Because I feel like we sometimes are really hard on loved ones, especially because it's just, like, yo, like, whole lot of expectations. you can do this, don't worry about yeah. it. And since we're so hard, we quit easier too on family too. Yeah. Especially when it's like a cousin or someone that's just, that you feel like, yo, I've tried my best. I can't do this anymore. I can't take it. A menace. When your only job was just to be there for them. Yeah. Just be yourself around them. That's all you really have to do. I think the biggest thing with like when it comes to try, people trying to help others with addiction, they think they're just like, they think just talking to them, boom, that nigga's going to be good. Yeah. Like, and then like, basically that nigga. There's no hope is, in them. Exactly. Yeah. You know what I mean? But who are you? Are I you Obama? People, like, what is I your advice? People, I feel <laughs> like you do that. Like, I see people do bro, that all the time on the block, bro. I just be sitting there eating my food. And his old head is talking to this kid high as a fucking kite. Yeah. This kid don't care what you're saying to him right now. saying Quran verses left and right. Mm-hmm. Turn back to Allah. Turn back. Everything he's saying is true and it's right. But it's, it's, the it's time in the essence of our sunnah yeah. and in our deen. Like, the Prophet did not so go to so hungry yeah. people and preach. He brought them food. Gave them shelter and clothes, made sure the situation was okay, so that their brain was competent enough to register a theological experience that they weren't used to, that they didn't get beforehand. Then they can be like, "Oh, yeah, this guy's right." But you talking to hungry folks about a job, like, bro, I'm not, I'm not eating, bro. I don't know what you're talking about a job. I got for. bigger problems to worry. Yeah, about. so that that that's another thing too, bro. That we need it. I think it's just like even if I think the hardest thing for somebody to do is be there for somebody. After they don't listen to you. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like you tell a nigga, yo, get off the streets. Yo, get off the drugs. And he don't listen to you. He's still off of that shit. But he he still call you. He still want to kick it with you. He still want to talk to you. Yeah. It's hard for you to do that. But I think it's something that's necessary. Because at the end of the day, that's getting to the, the behind, under the surface, under the scratch of the surface. Right? I think that that's, that's a hard thing for, for people to do is just to be there for a nigga, even though he's going through it. Because when you're there for him, you can understand. He's going to start to respect you more. He's going to start to listen to you more. Bro, when you, you first talk to him, he like, fuck this nigga. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, why who, why who should I listen? Yeah, who are you? Why should I yeah. take your advice? You feel me? But you go kick it with the nigga. You go hang out with him. 
You know what I'm saying? You take care of him. As time goes on, he's going to start to respect you more. Start to respect your opinion more. And even if he don't listen to it, well, like, what if I tell you, bro, nine times out of ten, bro, when I'm talking to niggas, I don't tell them, yo, stop drugs. Wallahi, bro. I just be around them, bro. Yeah. I just kick it with them. Sooner or later, bro, they just tell me, yo, bro, what's, what should I do? Like, how do I get to this? How did I get to that? You feel me? That's then amazing. I, yeah. Feel me? I just be kicking it with a lie, bro. My nigga, I don't, I don't go to a nigga unless, unless something very bad happens in his life. And like, it's like, yo, this, he's in a desperate situation where he needs to change right now. Nine times out of 10, I just be talking to niggas about life. You feel me? I just kicking with him. Yeah. And after time, be, after time yeah. goes on, after time goes on, the, the, the motherfucker going to be like, damn, yo, like they're going to see your life and they're going to see their life and they're going to realize the change in the, in the difference between them. And they're going to be like, yo, I want to change my life so it's not as problematic. You feel me? Mm. And as time goes on, they're going to want, they're going to ask you, yo, how do I do that? Yeah. But back to like, I'm going to, I don't know, for some reason, it's accepting things in my head. Like you said, when you were at the masjid praying next to a, a grown man mm. where his phone was next to you and you said he grabbed it and put it right in his pocket. Yeah. You didn't feel accepted in that environment. Hell yeah. So you, what did you do? You just bounced to where you felt accepted. Yeah. I'm telling you, just the fact of just being normal around someone that you can see is going through something. Because you yourself is going through something. Sometimes it's okay to just talk to people like regular people regardless of who they are. But you know what's one of the, well, I, I, I don't mean to like cut you off or anything, but you know what's one of the, one of the like, I wouldn't say it made me regret coming out with my story, but I remember one like the first time because I've, I've, I was do, started this work 20, uh, 2019 September, but I didn't go on the internet with it until March 2020. Mm-hmm. Right in the beginning of the pandemic, uh, a bunch of people were dying. A close friend of mine had died, and that's what sparked like me going on the internet with this. But one thing that I realized, like for the whole 2020, it still happens today, especially when I meet new people, is that every time I meet somebody or I'm speaking to somebody I haven't seen in a long time, niggas talk to me about what about my my past. Mm-hmm. Niggas don't come to me and say, "Hey, what's good, bro? How you been? Mm-hmm. What's new?" The first thing niggas come, "Oh, yo, bro, man, I like to work." Yeah, man. You know what I mean? And I mean, it's nice, right? But then I feel like when it comes to the whole thing about addiction, it's like niggas, you can just tell there's a difference in the way niggas are talking to you. Yeah. I feel yeah. my homies, niggas be talking to me like I'm I'm just a homie. There's a little, there's a little pity in there. That's yeah. That's what like, I'm saying. That's what I'm trying to say. You feel me, bro? And you don't want to be around them anymore either. Yeah, I just be like. Weird ass nigga mo. You feel me? <laughs> yeah, like, because it's like you just, you could tell. They like they feel sorry for you, bro. And I'm like, bro, you don't gotta feel sorry for me, bro. Like, my nigga, I'm but, so acceptance can be done without pity. Acceptance can be done without, literally without tearing other people down hey. and and making them feel like you know their past is the only thing that's 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 important, you know. So, so, Accept them as just so on human. that on that note, tell us about your future. Tell us about you know things that you're gonna be doing in the future and what you got planned and what's coming up. Come on, man, let us know what you what you got. Okay, so I'm working on a project right now. Um, it's gonna be a two part, uh, two piece. By the time probably this comes out, it'll probably be out. Inshallah, Inshallah. I'm working hard on it now. But uh, it's a two two piece po- poem that is a, a montage of basically dialogue one between the the person that's going through addiction and God, mm-hmm. right? It's a cry for help, and then the second part is uh, the one in recovery. Um, I'm gonna show you guys later after after we get off of this. Inshallah. But it's uh, I've been working on that. Um, we just two, 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 three weeks ago, two, three weeks ago, we took a bunch of guys that were going through, uh, that were going in, that were in recovery. We went to Arizona, climbed a mountain. 
Flagstaff. <laughs> she was nice. You know what I mean? It's like uh, we like twelve people. That was amazing. Uh, right now we're like a new nonprofit, so we're working on you know finding grants, finding funding. And what's the nonprofit again? Generation Hope. Generation Hope. Yeah, you know what I mean. Uh, so, I mean, in the process, bro, we we trying to work, we trying to do things, but in actuality, in all in, in all honesty, bro, it's really hard to do programming and anything without any funding. Yo. And yeah. so we're just looking for funding actively, making meetings, looking for donors. Uh, but I mean, like. Even since like 2019, bro, we've been doing all of this shit. For nothing, free, yeah. yeah, not just for free, bro. Like with no funding, bro. You know what I mean? Yeah. Just connecting people to SUD services, doing all of that hard work, you know, interventions, talking to people. I be getting calls three in the morning. Do you know what's hard? Let me, let me just stop you for a second. Yeah. It's, I've seen people get grants for doing nothing. Yeah. Nothing. And then people go out and do all these great things and then they go to apply for a grant and they say, yo, I've done all of these things. And yet, it's still hard for them to get it. That's what I just don't understand you about the system. Who you sometimes. know, bro. You know, everything's like a cult. That too, that's crazy. That too. Yeah. But you know what else that I peeped? And me and this guy kind of dealt with it. Mm-hmm. My my answer to that, and like the conclusion that I came to, is they do that on purpose. Because if you give somebody a small amount of money to solve a problem, right? And you know this guy right here isn't gonna solve the problem. Again, the money keeps going. Exactly. You keep getting the government money keep, the, the federal government keeps giving so the state government me, more money. So you're telling me. And then they keep giving it to fuck niggas that are not going to do anything. And then they, the, the problem in the community continues. Niggas just keep eating. And they keep eating. But mm. if you give it to somebody that has a track record of solving problems. They're going to solve the problem. The problem is solved. Federal government is like, nigga, you ain't got no problems in your state. You're straight. We're going to give it to someone else. Right? Mm-hmm. And then it ends there. That's a, just a theory that I have. I'm not making any yeah. accusations. Makes a um, lot of sense. It's conspiracy theory. Yeah, I am. A it makes a lot of sense, though, <laughs> yeah. bro. But yeah, bro, yeah. it's just it's it's a lot of like, you know, not not giving a fuck about what really matters and acting like you're really doing something, um, when you're not. And the people that are actually doing something, not getting the love and the, the admiration and the support and the funding that they need. Uh, but yeah. hopefully, hopefully that changes. I did not want to cut you off. Though, so you want to keep sure. going? What's that saying? Just talking about generation wealth and how you guys t- were doing hope, it, generation, generation hope, hope in 2019. <laughs> Real nigga, well, like, 2019, yeah, yeah. 2019, you guys were doing it for hey. free. You guys were, yeah, we, we were doing it with little to no funding. Uh, so I mean, like now we're just actively looking for funding. Uh, you know, we have a, a few different project ideas that we want to, um, we're gonna, um, inshallah, soon disclose when we find the funding for it. But that's the plan is to continue growing, um, you know, uh, connecting to youth, connecting to we actually have a prevention program that we're working on. You know what I mean? So like we we're trying to we trying to go all out with this, but it's just about finding the funding, get building connections, and that's the plan for the future. Inshallah, you know we're just gonna continue growing. We're gonna continue going, and hopefully, you know. So where where can people find you on Instagram? Instagram, you- um, our, our our page for our nonprofit is Generation Hope MN. Uh, simple like that. Just exactly how I said it. One word. Yeah, Generation Hope MN. And what are ways people can help? In which ways? Donate. Donate. I was going to say that too. Donate, donate, donate. Remember 2020, what did I say? No more talking, no more tables, no more discussions. Shut the fuck up and give us money. Yeah. And we go solve these problems. Well, I actually actually genuinely believe that because me and him Mm -hmm. went through a a six month process, which is conversations. We sat sat down with Congresswoman uh, Ilhan Omar. Uh, We sat down with, like, we're we're talking about people that can change the community if they really wanted to, right? Um, we sat down with a plethora of people. Time out. So you guys did this and we haven't even had that conversation here. Yeah. Bro, so, we, so we're going to have senators. to bring you here. We're going to have to bring you back for of course, part two. Me and this guy, we went on a tour of meeting with big 
big name, powerful people taking pictures with them, giving them all the clout they fucking it. want. Yeah. And then we came out that tour and we were like, nigga, all we did was go to meetings. We ain't got no type of bread. Fuck. <laughs> well, I'm we like, frustrated. A bunch of pictures and handshakes. That's it. Pictures and handshakes. That's it. And and like, well, I like I was in tears. This nigga was in tears because we we're like, yo, this is a times of an essence, bro. Because niggas is dying out here, b yeah. right? So. Bro, I remember, well, I, I ain't going to say no names, but there was somebody, right, who's very known by the community who came to me after I told her how many people I knew that was dead. That since I started this organization, this was in January, right? It was like three months. In three months, I went to like 10 Genezas yeah. of niggas I knew. And I, we was very emotional, bro. And the motherfucker came up to me, I ain't going to say who it was, and then she gave me a hug in front of everybody. And there was like 10 pictures. <laughs> And they posted that shit. Had an amazing conversation with the youth and this and that. And I was just like, nigga, where the money at? <laughs> nigga, where the bread at for that picture, for? That's what I'm saying. And it was just like, there was a lot of, there was, there was a lot of situations yeah, like yeah, that, bro. You yeah. know what I mean? Where like, and it was, that was election season, you know, mind you, 2020. You know, so we, there was a lot of like, you know, people that were running and rerunning. Promising everything Yeah, too. saying we're going to, but it was all just for the re-election. And you know, that was all it was. So, so you know, and I sent them a lot of emails, bro. Like I have, bro, a lot. If I show you my wallet right now, fam, I have all of their, I still have all of their, what do you call it? The bro, business cards. All my business, all the business cards that I've had since 2019. Fam. So what, we're oh moving my different God. people. And I've called like damn near all of them. You feel me? Send them emails, all of that. No response. It's not working. Frame yeah. that. Well, I frame that. Hell well, yeah. I don't lose those. Nah, I, I still see. have it. We're going to frame that someday, inshallah. So the gist of it is, guys. Bring money. Bring money to the table. Spread the word for Generation Hope. Like, and just, just like I said, take your feet. No, nah, this is still just, cra- nah, I'm still thinking about the fact that someone has a blueprint that's working, a track record that's working. Yeah. And they don't the fuel money. that you need is money. You're asking for money mm-hmm. and yet you don't get money. Yeah. That's. So I we're going to do one I of two things. So they rather just. Really cool. We're going to do one yeah. of two things. We're going to bring you back on the show. Of course. Okay. We're going to do a part two, just like we're going to do a part two with a lot of the people, uh, a lot of the guests, right? You please, 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 please. Because this is. This is media, right? This is a way to amplify whatever you have to say. Mm-hmm. Keep track of all the people you have conversations with. Keep mm-hmm. track of the shit they promise you. Mm-hmm. All that shit. I do. One or two things is going to happen. He's going to come back and Inshallah is going to get the recognition and the funding that he deserves. And shit's going to pop. And we're going to talk about that. And how delightful, and delightful it was to work with all these people. Or a bunch of people going to do the shit that they've been doing. And Wallahi, we're just going to go down a list. We're going to say so-and-so promised this, this, that, and the third. X amount of money. And they didn't do it. So and so did this, this, that, and the third. They promised hey, X amount of money. It's time to start do it. doing that. Well, that's what we're gonna need to do because people have so much clout and are so loved by people, and they don't realize like they some fuck ass niggas, bro. Yeah. They don't do shit for nobody. But man, thank you so much. Well, I actually, thank you for coming. This was a beautiful conversation, an amazing like roller coaster of like just me myself going through a lot of like reminiscing about damn. Yeah. Well, I so much has happened in our community. Yeah. Um, thank you so much for the work that you do. I, I know like you, you're you really humble. You don't toot your own horn. Um, but well, I, you my nigga, you're an inspiration in the community. Continue doing what you're doing. Mm. And thank you so much for have, uh, for you, for you. <laughs> thank you so much for being here mm. and you know, for being on our show. And inshallah, yeah. we're going to have you again. For sure. Um, That's soon. a must. Yeah. Love. Oh yeah. Well, yeah my love, love, always, always. We are f- 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 We are f-